0: Hello and welcome to the Betches
1: Sub Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sub Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about cakes.
2: John Bolton's book.
1: And
3: Brexit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's do Get it. into it. Betches Media presents.
3: Like beer? I don't know if you do, okay. do you like beer, Senator,
0: or not. Uh, Mom, I want a vape.
1: Ah! Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now.
0: Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you! Oh, that was fun! Yeah, that I love every exit. chance
1: to do a fun little British accent.
2: Uh-huh. And there's so many different British there's accents. So many different ones. You can go with, like, oh, I think I will. Ew, yeah. Um, and Brexit. Yeah, Brexit. I, I don't know if I can do but any then other you ones. You can go like posh, yeah, like, which is like. I think <laughs> I'll um, take the. Uh,
1: I think I'll take the tea. But anyway, I I actually don't know different Bri- uh, British accents. Me neither. I'm sure or, where they anyone who's listening to. in
2: England right now is probably like, know. "Fuck you guys."
1: Um. Brian,
2: what's been
1: getting you through this week in Trump's America?
2: Well, 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 well. Mm -hmm. So this past Sunday were the Grammys. Did Mm -hmm. you watch? I did. I enjoyed it.
1: I, You know what? I've actually decided that I think the Grammys are the best award show. I think so, too. Because they're just like pure. They're just about loving music. There's honestly, as a comedian, I say this. There's no comedian who's trying to like do sketches Mm -hmm. and make jokes with Mm -hmm. like weird stuff. It's just like Alicia Keys being like, wow, y'all, it's all, music is love.
2: She would have such a great career as an ASMR person had she not become a successful artist.
1: She has the most calming presence.
2: Her voice.
1: Her, like, and just, like, the way her smile looks on her face, like, she just looks, like, calm, and that was obviously such an intense and crazy day, and they were at the Staples Center Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, and I was just like, only Alicia Keys Mm -hmm. could have helmed this ship.
2: Um, yeah. And also it's just like performances. Like, cool. The
1: performances are all really good. Yeah. Everyone was really good.
2: It's, an, it's entertaining. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a good place to see like high caliber artists perform in their best. Yeah. Anyways. So this happened a little bit after the Grammys. Yes. Apparently there is this rapper named Pastor Troy. Um.
1: I'm not, I, I'm never up to date on who like rappers and hip-hop artists or even any
2: new artist i just never know it's hard it's hard um and i i wasn't sure if he was a pastor or if he was a rapper by his name but but i think he's like he's a
1: rapper called pastor so okay (laughs)
2: lil nas to the grammys he was nominated for multiple grammys um he wore this like amazing pink versace like cowboy outfit with equipped with like A pink harness Have you seen it Yeah It's amazing He looked
1: looked incredible He
2: looked incredible So this rapper And his performance Was really good Yeah it was fun His uh, This rapper Posted a picture Of Lil Nas Said Well Guess I won't be Winning a Grammy If this is what I gotta wear They love to push This shit on our kids The other day Applebee's had some Punks kissing and laughing Eating mozzarella sticks First thing my 14 year old Son said was Fuck Applebee's And it brought joy To my heart
1: (laughs) What sorry
2: (laughs) Okay (laughs)
1: Thank God I raised my boy Uh to say, fuck Applebee's.
2: And then he goes on (laughs) to say, he sees it, their agenda to take the masculinity from men, black men especially. Some men say, he making money, RuPaul do too, but I ain't bumping his CD, integrity is priceless. Y'all better open that third eye and let your sons know what is real, or they ask going to be headed down that old town row for real. Wow.
1: (sighs) So there's a lot in there. There
2: is a lot in there. Fuck Applebee's for two men eating mozzarella <laughs> yeah. sticks. My
1: son said, "Fuck Applebee's." <laughs> He's my son saw a gay couple enjoying half-priced apps, and he said, "Fuck Applebee's." <laughs>
2: and it brought joy to it, it my brought, heart. <laughs> it
1: went, my heart. Grew three sizes. Yeah. I was so proud of my
2: son. So, um, anyways. Lil Nas caught wind of this. And mm-hmm. so he had two responses. The first one, he tweeted he tweeted a response and said, damn, I look good in that pic on God. <laughs>
1: that is great. <laughs> that is
2: great. And then his next one. He does look good. He does look good. And the next one, he's just like, stream rodeo, my new single. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, Lil Nas X, first of all, Is really good at the internet in general, so it's very stupid, I think, to come for him, kind of in his own house, which is the internet. I
2: just think it's so, it's just so amazing to think of, you know, think of like the Grammys, even like ten years ago. Yeah, there was not like a queer black rapper performing anywhere. Yeah, let alone the Grammy stage. Yes, you know what I mean. And now he's had the biggest number one single of all time. It's just pretty remarkable. Yeah, and he's not like. Not to say uh, that the Grammys they, haven't fixed yes. all of their issues. No,
1: but but also like, and this isn't to say any like out person is more or less gay than any other out person, but like Lil Nas ex is very like openly gay. Mm-hmm. And he wears a big, he wears a giant leather pink cowboy suit. Uh-huh. And so like he's not, um, he's not like sugarcoating yeah. who he is for anybody. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely think like, even ten years ago, it would be very difficult totally for someone in like in hip hop in particular to be mm-hmm. that out and proud. Like maybe you could have been gay if you like you kept were on you the DL. Kept, yeah you were on the DL and like didn't like dressed like everybody else and didn't like call attention to it. But I think it's really cool the fact that he's like, no, I'm here. I have the ba- I'm here yeah. and I'm clear. My song <laughs> fucking rocks yeah. and everybody likes it.
2: Mm-hmm. And this this. Pastor Roy guy. He's just jealous because yeah. the only time I've heard of him is when I hear him being shit on by Lil Nas.
1: I feel bad for... I feel like Lil Nas X is always... People are always coming for him. Like, he, when he first got famous, it was because the country music, like, the the billboard charts for country music were, were, like, purposefully excluding him. Yeah. And then that's when, like, Billy Ray Cyrus hopped on the song and it became what it is today mm-hmm. you know what i found out because of uh old town Run? what so my dad holds random grudges against different celebrities that he like won't explain what they are mm-hmm. or why i find Valid. out about them all the time yes and billy ray cyrus is one because we oh, listen really? well we listened to the song and he liked it and i was like that's billy ray cyrus and he was like oh i don't like billy ray cyrus
2: and I, I feel was, like a lot of older generation people have that like my mom, who does she inexplicably hate? I know that she inexplicably doesn't like Ariana Grande, which I like yeah. can't underst- I can't, un- I can't bridge those two loves of mine. Yeah, <laughs> it's.
1: The- my dad said when I was like, "Why don't you like Billy Ray Cyrus?" He was like, "He stole Achy Breaky Heart from those two guys." <laughs> I was like, "What are what? you talking about?" <laughs> I googled it, and apparently there was some controversy many years ago about the origins of Achy Breaky Heart, and I'm like, the only person on earth who remembers this has to be my dad. Yeah. He's just like, nah. No, he stole the song from those two guys.
2: Well, anyway, I just think that's a nice story. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is a great story. Um, and th- don't come for Lil Nas X no, in his own house.
2: He's very good on Twitter mm-hmm. and the gram. So, Elise, what yes. is getting you through this week in Trump's America?
1: What's getting me through this week in Trump's America is cake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, specifically, the fine folks at Butter and Scotch. Love that. Cute name. Which is a Brooklyn-based bakery. Shout out, Brooklyn. Made and delivered 53 cakes to all 53 Republican senators yesterday, urging them to let John Bolton testify as a witness in mm-hmm. Donald Trump's removal trial. And all of them had, like, like each one had its own little different, like, punny yeah. thing on it. Um, And they contained messages that said, don't desert the truth. Dessert spelled... <laughs> Two S's. Yes, not, clever. Uh, we got you this cake so you won't have pie on your face. How sweet it is to have checks and balances. Ice the cake, not the witnesses. <laughs> These are just a few examples. Hope this makes the truth harder to swallow. This, this is as sugar-coated as we can get it. Don't batter our constitution. This is history in the baking. You're in the room where it happens, which is the name of John Bolton's book.
2: Oh, I have, I have a question about that. What?
1: So John Bolton can just name his book after a song from Hamilton.
2: I Is the song called The Room Where yes. It Happens? Wow. I'm, I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if that's a more common phrase before Hamilton. Yeah,
1: so maybe he can be like, oh no, it's just a coincidence. But they just
2: like threw it back into the zeitgeist? Yeah. Perhaps?
4: Either yeah, I, way. I have a
1: couple questions. Maybe also, maybe Lin-Manuel Miranda's like, yeah, I just don't want to... I don't feel like suing John Bolton no. like I also, don't what do I get from suing John Bolton
2: it's hard to come up with a title for a book
1: it's <laughs> yeah, true maybe John Bolton didn't realize until he was like like sometimes I'll think of a joke and then a little ways down the line I'll be like oh shit I actually heard that somewhere yeah, exactly maybe he like the book is printed copies are made and he's like son of a bitch <laughs> that's <laughs> Hamilton yeah oh no <laughs> that's from right, Hamilton
2: yeah you never know.
1: Um, but anyway, more on these cakes. <laughs> That's just a digression <laughs> that I've been thinking about as more comes out about John Bolton's book. Uh, so basically, there was a GoFundMe that raised $7,000 to hire bakers to make the cakes. And in accordance with Senate ethics rules, each cake cost less than $50 because senators mm. are not supposed to knowingly accept any gift valued over $50. Okay. Um. So, oh, and all the money that was left over from the GoFundMe after making and delivering the cakes went to the Center for Human Rights and the ACLU. So that's just nice. And then, just as one final tidbit that also is very funny, uh, Ted Cruz apparently rejected his cake.
2: What a loser.
1: I know. Take the cake. Take the fucking
2: cake. It's free cake.
1: Right? I don't care. Someone gives me a free cake that's like you're ugly. I'm like, well, I guess I'm eating
2: this mm-hmm. free cake that mm-hmm. says I'm ugly. One time when <laughs> I was on my 21st birthday, I think it was my 21st mm-hmm. birthday, or maybe it was like my 22nd birthday. Um, I was like very drunk and depressed, mm-hmm. and it was like I was like classic like, 22nd birthday, you know. <laughs> and I was like, apparently, like, woe is me. And I was like, I don't remember yeah. doing this. And then the next morning, I woke up to a cake from my roommate said, "Shut up, shithead. You're amazing." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Thank you so much. Um, Anyways, I
1: would send Ted Cruz a cake that says "Shut up, shithead."
2: (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. He has a new podcast. Have you seen this? I
1: can't engage with that.
2: I'm not. I'm clearly not going to listen. But I'm just like, what are you doing with your bearded podcast cover? Like, I I can't. Like, be a senator from from Texas. Get off the fucking microphone. That's our job. If
1: you are a person on. This earth Who willingly listens To Ted Cruz's podcast He's the Go worst to a doctor
2: He's the worst He had another Vile clip this, clip this week Where like Someone asked him a question And he's just like Not answering it And going yeah. on About something else He was like
1: He's been living His best impeachment trial life Trying he, to He like, sprints
2: mm-hmm. To the cameras After the trials Oh end. he
1: loves it mm-hmm. He loves this like, And oh, then he di- goes home And doesn't look his wife Who Trump called ugly mm-hmm.
4: In the eye Because mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> do you have for dachshund owners there's jewelry ceramic toys board games all kinds of fun stuff a gifting moment is always right around the corner whether it's a birthday an anniversary a holiday or even just a day to say thank you gift mode on etsy has you covered need to find the perfect gift don't panic try gift mode on etsy now
2: we
1: should just get into the main news because we're kind of already talking about it yeah all right Main news. (laughs) This is the official shift into the main news. This week, President Trump's defense team wrapped up their defense of Donald Trump. Uh, They made a couple different arguments over the course of the week. Funnily enough, it seems like things shifted a lot, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't really have one argument that they made. They didn't even use their full time to defend mm-hmm. the president. Each side had twenty four hours over three days, and they they finished early.
2: I think it's interesting to talk about who is on his defense team a little yes. bit. So there's Alan Dershowitz, who is, you know, the former lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein.
1: Yes. And um, O.J. Simpson. And O.J. Simpson. And Harvey Weinstein. And
2: ha- he is just, <laughs> he's surrounded by the, he surrounds himself with the best people.
1: Famously innocent
2: clientele. Um, and he actually has admitted, he is like on the record admitted to being at one of Jeffrey Epstein's homes during, uh, you know, he says he got a massage, but he didn't take his underwear off and he believes the woman was old, uh, adult age.
1: I believe, I believe she was an adult.
2: I, yeah, I mean, no She one... was young
1: enough that it wasn't immediately clear to me, but yeah. I believe so.
2: And it was, he said it was all good. And it's like, why do you want this person there?
1: He doesn't, I mean, it, he also like, he put in Ken Starr. It's like,
2: Ken Starr. Ken
1: Star being the guy who wrote the Star report, which was the report that the Clinton impeachment was based on. The whole team that he put together, Jay Suckalo, Pam Pat, Bayondi. Yes.
2: She she was, you know, she was an attorney general at Florida and she was going to investigate um Donald Trump, and he ended up giving her twenty five thousand dollars to her reelection campaign, and she dropped the charges. And like I feel like that's been being looked into currently. So it's like, okay all of these crazy corrupt people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like a slimeball lawyer team uh-huh. for a slimeball client. It's like, it's literally that moment in every single true crime documentary where they're like, the police are like, case closed, we've got all the evidence. And then they're like, but then he hired this guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this shadowy figure comes in and like, is like, like, lights the whole thing on fire. Like that's who these people are. Yeah, and They don't have any scruples. So oh. they started out by arguing that The president did nothing wrong. Call was perfect. Everything's perfect. The president's perfect. America's perfect. Why would we Mm -hmm. impeach? How can you impeach someone for being perfect? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then it switched to um, the president did something wrong, maybe, kind of. But it doesn't rise to the level of abuse of power, and it's not bad enough to impeach him. Yeah. And then yesterday, we got to what I would say is maybe the scariest point and the the most um, upsetting argument. Yeah,
2: it's, it's the shoot a man on Fifth Avenue argument.
1: Yes, which is that even if the president did abuse his power, it is not impeachable yeah. and basically what they were saying is that and this is an argument that dershowitz made yeah
2: we'll go into all of those yes. i think we even have those clips coming yes. up yes. um but they spent a lot of the time also talking about the lack of first-hand witnesses
1: yes we should talk about that first all
2: of whom you know while an actual witness john bolton is would love to testify yes um and so they said mike one trump's attorney said most of the democrats witnesses have why are they saying most of the Democrats' witnesses? It's uh, whatever. Witnesses have never spoken to the president at all, let alone about Ukraine. All Democrats have to support the alleged link between security assistance and investigations are Ambassador Sondland's assumptions and presumptions. Meanwhile, we've been trying to get firsthand knowledge, or the Democrats have been from yeah. M- Mick Mulvaney, Mike Pompeo, um, but the president is blocking and them obviously from testifying.
1: Bolton, yeah. number one. There are also documents that the Democrats are trying to get that they're not allowing so mm-hmm. it's like this weird logical loop where it's mm-hmm. like the democrats don't have any firsthand witnesses while also stopping firsthand witnesses yeah. from testifying but
2: it's like they they keep bringing up this argument that they don't have firsthand witnesses while it's like kind they're kind of like shooting themselves in the foot well it's like okay but this guy could be our firsthand witness wouldn't you want to hear yeah like it's like we don't have any first-hand witnesses, testimonies. We're like, well, this I think guy- they don't care. I know. They I don't genuinely
1: care. think that at this point, it's like they know the logical fallacies that are embedded in their argument, mm-hmm. but they just have to be able to say something yeah. that is repeatable to the thirty percent of america that makes up Trump's base that they're actually playing to in this moment because they don't care they know that those of us who are democrats and who are who are following this know what the fuck is up yeah they honestly know that like even regular americans who maybe aren't like necessarily democrats or who aren't necessarily like super involved in politics by 70 percent want there to be witnesses it they was, just don't the, give a shit the,
2: the poll was 75 percent and then it was like more than Republic, more Republicans. And like, even if there were more Republicans who want witnesses, yeah. than don't.
1: So they're just doing like the calculation that they're doing does not have anything to do with actually convincing anyone or even like putting together like a decent argument. They're just like, mm-hmm. we just have to say something for the next couple of days. That's going to be the thing that we say. Yeah. Um, so that we can get us to Friday when are when they're going to try to vote to acquit him. Mm
2: hmm. Like Mm -hmm.
1: that's I just think they don't even care that it doesn't make sense.
2: It's just it's yeah, it's it's really um, disheartening.
1: One of the more effective things that the defense did yesterday uh, was they played a mashup of Gordon Sondland basically just using words like assume, presume, I believe, et cetera. Like basically all these things that kind of display him as Mm -hmm. not a firsthand witness. Mm -hmm. And then they they like. Cut it all together and mashed it up. And we're like, look, this guy doesn't, doesn't know anything because it's all assumptions. But it's like, no, the number one thing.
2: Love a montage.
1: We love it. Well, first of all, kudos to their video editor yeah, because it I was, was effective. Wa- I was just
2: wondering, who's job is that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Who's, <laughs> like, Trump's video, like, edited, it, yeah, like, that's... team's video editor? So It's probably some freelancer who's not mm-hmm. getting paid. Yeah. Sorry you took that fucking job, dude, because that check is not coming in 30 mm-hmm. days. Let me tell you that. Um, that number they gave you is fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, emails start bouncing back. Anyway. Um, uh, they, they did, like... Sondland, yes, he is assuming a lot, I Mm -hmm. guess, or technically. But it's because that's how Donald Trump operates. By suggestion and by, like, sending things down the line. It's the way a fucking mob boss operates.
2: And he has his
1: considieries.
2: do the speaking for him. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. It's like if you're talking to Rudy Giuliani and Rudy Giuliani is heavily suggesting something yeah. to you and you know for a fact that Rudy Giuliani is the representative of the President of the United States, mm-hmm. you would assume that this directive is coming from the President of the United States. Well,
2: another another one of their, you know, talking points was that Ru- they, the, the Democrats keep trying to paint Rudy Giuliani as this key figure. He was just he was just kind of nobody. And it's like, do you see how many, like in the transcripts that the White House released, he kept being like, you'll talk to Rudy. Yeah. Go talk to Rudy. And it's like, wait, you can't assert that when the evidence that you're per yourselves are releasing is putting him in a pivotal spot, in a pivotal role.
1: Also, it kind of goes back to that thing Lev Parnas said in his Mad Out interview, but it's like, why are all these world leaders and important people talking to Rudy Giuliani mm-hmm. then? Like, it's not like they want to... Ha- they're just like, oh, we really want Rudy Giuliani's opinion on what's going on in our country. <laughs> like, yeah. they're talking to this motherfucker for a reason. Yeah,
2: this crazy Yeah, man. it's like, you're
1: not going to... Sp- if you are in a room with Rudy Giuliani, there is a reason you're in that room with yeah. him. Otherwise, you're down the street. You're running in the yeah, other direction.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, no one wants to be with Rudy. No,
1: okay? So there's, a, there, like... <laughs> Zelensky's not just like, you know what? Let's just invite Rudy mm-hmm. to the Capitol because I just want to see Rudy. I yeah. just want to see what he's up to. He seems like a cool dude. Yeah, that's that's not happening.
2: So let's talk about the question and answer portion of this. <laughs> this fiasco. Yeah,
1: this circus presentation.
2: Um, So what happens now is the senators, they write down a question, a, you know, person, an aide or whatever. They walk the question up to the chief justice, who then reads it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a very weird little performance that we witnessed yesterday. Because once again, the senators are not allowed to say anything themselves. Yeah, they're like so they have to like pass a shady note to John Roberts, and Mm -hmm. then John Roberts like reads their shady note. Mm -hmm. And it's a very the whole thing is very weird.
2: Yeah. So a lot of it was like more to gleam information. Uh, some were a series of strategic or passive aggressive questions asked to help the parties double down on their strongest points. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a Democratic senator would ask one of the House managers basically like something that they've already said just to reiterate. Yeah. It, just to reiterate about it. A couple
1: of questions that did get asked. One was Would House managers like to correct any falsehoods in the White House's opening arguments? Is there any way to render a verdict without hearing from witnesses? Hypothetically, would Obama have had the authority to investigate if he believed Romney's son acted in corruption? That's like just at me, right? Like Romney's right in the room. Yeah. Uh, if house managers wanted witnesses so bad, why didn't they subpoena them? That's like more of a paraphrase, but that's mm-hmm. like the general tone mm-hmm. of what was getting asked.
2: Um, Senator Susan uh, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski asked a question, a joint question, mm-hmm. um, right out of the gate. And they asked whether if, tr- even, okay, they asked if Trump did have personal motives for what he did with Ukraine. What if he also thought he was motivated by the national interest? Um, So first, one of the lawyers, Patrick Philbin, said that we can't possibly prove that his motive was strictly personal. And basically that even if he had two motives, as long as one was pure, it's fine. I don't see how that makes sense.
1: I mean, they're just literally these people are fishing for something, anything Mm -hmm. to say. So they're like... Well, yeah, sure. He did it because he wanted to get reelected. But also, he was kind of interested in corruption, and there's no way to really prove that he wasn't. They're basically
2: posing a question of ethics. It's yeah. like, if you steal a piece of bread to feed your man's family, is it still stealing? It's like, yes. But, like, <laughs> like, like kind of, right? Am I, yeah, am I wrong? But it's like also. I don't know. I feel I feel like theirs is like But that's not even that's actually not a good example. If I if your fam, if your family stole a piece of bread so you had more bread. Yeah. Is that okay? I'm trying to
1: think of what would be a I know. Do. I'm like if um, if your family if you stole bread and part of the motivation was for you to feed your family, but the half of the motivation was for you to like fuck over that sho- baker. Yeah, to, like sho- yeah, to like shove it down your wife's throat and kill her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's uh, we've landed on the analogy, there we guys. Go. Thank that's, you. That's where we're going.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so <laughs> thank you for coming with us on that journey to figure out which bread analogy was actually going to work.
2: So as you can tell, this is a crazy, you know, hypothetical thing to put out there, and it goes on. To Alan Dershowitz Mm -hmm.
1: Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein's lawyer O.J. Simpson's lawyer
2: Masha's receiver Yes Um, He took the podium And you know Whatever He was actually a a supporter Of Hillary Clinton Prior to this Um, He uh, But ever since Trump was elected He became his number one fan He even wrote a book called The Case Against the Democratic House Impeaching Trump He also wrote
1: this article I think at one point That was like (laughs) I think this is him Yeah Where he was like no one in Cape Cod will talk to me anymore because of me, because I support president Trump. And he was like, all the rich people I hang out with don't like me anymore. And um, it's like, Ugh, well, sh- go hang out with our, Jeffrey Epstein. Sean, Sean
2: our podcast um, producer was telling me that pe- apparently he's one of these people who Winnie the, Winnie the poos on the beach, he, which is when you wear <laughs> nothing but a t-shirt.
1: No. He's one of
2: those. Like he go, he'll go to like a, the beach and just like Winnie the Pooh it.
1: He's not wearing underwear.
2: No. Like it's like a nude, nude beach. And so he just wears a t-shirt. But like he wears
1: a shirt wears at a the shirt. nude beach.
2: And that's why it's called Winnie the Poohing. Oh. I love that expression. Oh no. Um
1: Nothing is sillier than like a dude in <laughs> I, I agree. The Shirt but no pants is so silly. It is pants so but funny. no shirt, love it. It's fine. Shirt but no pants, ridiculous. It is. It's really f- <laughs> absolutely. It looks like like someone caught you like unaware. It's yeah, like- <laughs>
2: because there's like no good like there's no good situation where you would be like that. Yeah, you know, um, like because <laughs> unless like. G- Because no one gets dressed and puts their shirt on first. No, it's like like
1: something weird's going on if that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Okay. (laughs) I hate that so much. I hate that so much. Um, You know what else I hate? is, Is Dershowitz's argument that he made yesterday, which is basically he was expanding on this idea that if the president's motives were like basically this, this idea about the president's motives and were they purely personal? Were they, you know, in the national interest? How do those two things interact? And he came to what I was talking about a little bit earlier was this really scary argument that basically amounts to as long as the president is trying to get himself reelected because he believes it's in the national interest, then anything he does in pursuit of that is not impeachable. So let's hear what Dershowitz actually had to say.
3: Now, we talked about motive. There are three possible motives that a political figure can have. One, a motive in the public interest. And the Israel argument would be in the public interest. The second is in his own political interest. And the third, which hasn't been mentioned, would be in his own financial interest, his own pure financial interest, just putting money in the, in the bank. I want to focus on the second one for just one moment. Every public official that I know believes that his election is in the public interest. And mostly you're right. Your election is in the public interest. And if a president does something which he believes will help him get elected in the public interest, that cannot be the kind of quid pro quo that results in impeachment.
2: That is just bunkers.
3: I know
1: and that's like actually a really scary road to even yeah. go down because and, and like and I know that this is a slippery slope argument but it's like that's the road that gets you to like well the president actually rem- has decided to remove the Democrat from the ballot in this state, this state, and this state uh-huh. because they ha- he has questions about election security or the he's, president. He's like, like
2: on the debate stage with whoever the Democrat nominee takes out a gun and shoots them. He's like, well, it was in the interest of yeah. getting reelected. And
1: it's like, it, it is like, it is basically saying the president can do whatever he wants to get reelected mm-hmm. because he thinks it's good for the country to get reelected. And Dershowitz himself in the statement is like, I think every politician thinks this, so every I- president, every president thinks it's good for him to get reelected so it's like it's basically giving carte blanche for all eternity yeah to be to do whatever you want what if donald trump thinks it's in the public interest to serve seven terms Mm -hmm. like what if the yeah like what if the donald trump thinks it's in the public interest to upload his consciousness to the cloud and rule as a computer like i (laughs) you know like what, what how where does the argument end
2: yeah if this is what's allowed it is quite quite frightening
0: Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code fever dream 20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N U U L Y.com. Newly with two U's with code fever dream 20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes.
2: Uh, Another highlight was Kamala Harris's question.
1: Kamala, (laughs) we love to see her back coming
2: through. So Kamala Harris had a great question. Chief Justice, read hers, and let's just play that clip.
3: The question from Senator Harris is for the House managers. President Nixon said, quote, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal, end quote. Before he was elected, President Trump said, quote, when you're a star, they let you do it, you can do anything, end quote. After he was elected, President Trump said that Article 2 of the Constitution gives him, quote, the right to do whatever he wants as president, end quote. These statements suggest that each of them believed that the President is above the law, a belief reflected in the improper actions that both Presidents took to affect their reelection campaigns. If the Senate fails to hold the President accountable for misconduct, how would that undermine the integrity of our system of justice?
2: Yeah, so she basically used it as a way to say, to show some of the most damning things Trump has said. Yes,
1: it was definitely one of those moments where someone's like, I don't really have a question, I have a comment. (laughs) (laughs) But I appreciated the comment. Mm -hmm. And it does go, like, one of the things I've been thinking about through all of this is like, you know, this whole argument about, oh, is, you know, is what, does what he did rise to a crime? What can and can't a president get away from? And it's really crazy because, listen i'm not a constitutional scholar but i did take ap us history there you go (laughs) and i did get a five on my did you
2: read 25 books on it yeah so uh,
1: i read you know i got a five on the exam so
2: that was a reference to jared kushner saying he's a middle east expert because he he read 25 25 books on it
1: (laughs) i forgot (laughs) that's true um wow jared okay back to what i was saying uh One of the main things of the Constitution, one of the big takeaways, if I had to write like a top couple of points, Mm -hmm. uh, is that we really didn't want the president to be a king. Mm -hmm. And we really didn't want to have this person who is above the law and can do whatever they want. And I kind of feel like if we had to distill the whole point of us leaving England and writing this document and creating this country and the way that we created it with the rules that it has that's kind of the central thesis of the whole thing mm-hmm. so it's just wild to me to see even this argument playing out like I put a tweet in the in the sup newsletter today which everyone should sign up for at badges. slash sub sign up uh, we do a funny tweet every day that was like this whole trial the the, the Tweet said, uh, this whole trial is like everyone on Sesame Street trying to figure out who ate all the cookies. Yeah, and like cookie monsters. like it it's just obvious that this is exactly what the Constitution was made to protect against. But we have to do this weird dance where we pretend it's not, and it's kind of like maddening to watch,
2: yeah. Um, Democratic Senator Chris Coons asked whether Trump considered foreign election interference illegal. Trump's lawyer said mere information is not something that would violate the campaign finance laws. And if there is credible information, credible information of wrongdoing by someone who is running for a public office, it is not campaign interference for credible information about wrongdoing to be brought to light. Well, the problem with that statement is that, A, yes, it is is illegal.
1: <laughs> um, like number one, just false, factually false.
2: And number two, it is not credible information. None of the information that they were gleaming is credible. There's no fucking servers in Ukraine that helped Hillary Clinton lose her election because she, newsflash, she fucking lost. Yeah. Uh, B, you know, The whole Burisma stuff happened after the corruption was already weeded out. And that's when Joe Hunter Biden was on the fucking board anyways. Which
1: is interesting because one of the questions Collins and Murkowski asked was they asked Trump's defense team. Why wasn't Trump interested in investigating corruption in Ukraine at all until Joe Biden started running against him and beating him in the polls? Mm -hmm. And Trump's defense team was basically like you know, we can't point to any time that Trump specifically raised a concern about the Bidens before Biden began running, but like he did care about corruption. Yeah. And it's just,
2: I don't know. Well, it's like, well, so if you cared so much when you, the first two years of a presidency, the Republicans held the house, the Senate and the white house. Right. Perhaps you should have done this then. If you were so concerned, right. As you claim to be, you would have, and you know, Ukraine still had a leader who was corrupt. and yeah. In, in, in of itself, you would think that would be the point, but the other thing is, is also, it's like, um, Adam Schiff spoke about this when he was speaking, uh, speaking, and he said, "We do not, as a country, <laughs> we do our own investigations." You know what I mean? Like, we don't ask a foreign power to investigate our people, no matter who they are, um, under any circumstance. It's like,
1: you investigate Joe Biden, bitch. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You do it. We have people for that. But he wanted another government to do it, because that would make the... Like, he knew that if Donald Trump was like, I'm investigating Joe Biden, everyone would know what the deal was. He needed Ukraine to do it, because then it's like, oh, Ukraine's investigating him. That's kind of crazy.
2: He also didn't even care if they actually investigated him. No,
1: he only cared that they announced it, which is another point that it's like what if he really cared about corruption he would have cared way more about the investigation than the announcement but it's flipped for him he Mm -hmm. cares way more about the announcement than the investigation he didn't care
2: no so senator joe manchin also asked urschwitz to explain why in 1998 when speaking of impeachment of bill clinton that an impeachable offense doesn't have to include a crime um here is his response for that one
3: At that time, I had not done the extensive research on that issue because it was irrelevant to the Clinton case, and I was not fully aware of the compelling counter arguments. So I simply accepted the academic consensus on an issue that was not on the front burner at the time. But because this impeachment directly raises the issue of whether criminal behavior is required, I have gone back and read all the relevant historical material as nonpartisan academics should always do, and have now concluded that the framers did intend to limit the criteria for impeachment to criminal-type acts akin to treason, bribery, and they certainly did not intend to extend it to vague and open-ended and non-criminal accusations, such as abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. I published this academic conclusion well before I was asked to present the arguments to the Senate in this case. My switch in attitude, purely academic, purely nonpartisan.
2: partisan um, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: believe you, Ben.
2: I think it is quite partisan. Yeah. Um, also, just a refresher, Bill Clinton lied about getting a blowjob from an intern. Yeah, it's um, just it's
1: crazy to hear all the comparisons to the Clinton stuff because, number one, the reason Bill Clinton was being impeached was this very... Mm -hmm. absurd reason yeah and then number two bill clinton's white house allowed people to testify bill clinton Mm -hmm. did a videotaped deposition Mm -hmm. like people came forward the house and senate got the documents that were needed so like the white house cooperated with the impeachment proceedings in that Mm -hmm. instance so yeah they gave all the records
2: subpoenas etc
1: it's very different so one last thing about the questions is that Rand Paul uh, apparently tried to ask a question that named the whistleblower and then John Roberts blocked it and it's just like Rand Paul has wanted to name the whistleblower so bad Donald Mm -hmm. Trump Jr. has like retweeted shit naming the whistleblower Mm -hmm. they these people want to ruin this whistleblower's life so badly
2: uh, Amanda actually just texted us while we're in here um,
1: wow Break, Like a real breaking news Yeah alert.
2: So John Roberts re- Rejected it again Because Rand Paul Tried to ask it again And apparently What, they, what Rand Paul Could do Is try and appeal uh, John Roberts Rejecting Like reading his question mm-hmm. And so that would Actually be another vote So they could vote To Make him read The whistleblower's name Or not which I mean is crazy. that's just
1: so I they're obsessed. Mm. They're obsessed with naming the whistleblower. Uh, so where, uh, where are we at right yeah. now as of today? Mitch McConnell. So yesterday, Mitch McConnell had signaled he didn't have the votes, mm-hmm. and earlier in the week, held kind of like an emergency meeting with all the Republicans mm-hmm. to be like, we have to block the witnesses. Mm-hmm. Now today, he seemed more like he does have the votes. Yeah,
2: Corey, I, Corey Gardner like made a statement saying that he said like, there's no reason why he wouldn't vote, why he would vote for more witnesses.
1: Yeah, Corey Gardner being one of the potential ones, Murkowski, Romney, and Collins being the three that are like the most persuadable, and have seemed the most. open to witnesses. And then we do have to get a fourth. A lot of people have eyes on Lamar Alexander. Mm -hmm. Gardner was one.
2: Which is interesting about Lamar Alexander is that we'll find out quite quickly because he's the first person that that they would call.
1: I feel about this vote that's going to happen on Friday really similar to how I felt before the skinny repeal vote, Mm -hmm. like where it was so close and I just didn't know and I had no faith that people would do the right thing. But then... We did get the right thing done by, you know, John McCain did that thumbs down move. Yeah. And Murkowski and Collins. Yeah.
2: It's just quite crazy to see the evolution of the Republican White House talking points. You know, it was a perfect call. There was no quid pro quo. No quid quid pro quo. Yeah. Now it's like, even if there was a quid pro quo. It's allowed. It's allowed. It's fine. And like there were were so many times where like these Republicans or like these Fox News like correspondents, like there's a good clip of Steve douchey or whatever his name yeah. is um on fox and friends being like if there was a quid pro quo for investigative Biden, that would be huge that would be terrible yeah. and now he's like oh it's no big deal right? it's fine it's kosher well remember
1: there was that picture of donald trump that was like his giant sharpie like notes for a thing that was like no quid pro quo yeah. no quid pro quo mm-hmm. over and over again and now it's like no there was one but like it's actually allowed yeah and the president can actually make a quid pro quo for anything and it's not a problem yeah
2: it's all good. It's like the same thing with like the the Mueller case. It's like there was no collusion. Well, even if there was collusion, it's fine. Okay, there was some collusion, but like who cares? But they, we,
1: but they didn't know that they were doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, they were confused. It's crazy.
2: We're we're living in crazy times, and it's so frustrating because you know the majority in the Senate represents a minority in this country. You yeah. know, it's like they. I think the minority represents 15 million more people. Yeah, and you know Donald Trump. Won the election By less than Three million votes So we have a We have a minority We have minority rule
1: Yeah and that's why We're seeing things Where it's like Okay 75% of people In the United States Think that there Should be witnesses But that's not Who this group of people That's Mm -hmm. in charge Are playing to Mm -hmm. They're actually Playing to A very like Small group Mm -hmm. That votes In a select Number of states Yeah Like it has Nothing It's the reason Why it's so tough that said, call your senator yeah. tonight if you want them to vote for witnesses, especially mm-hmm. if your senator is a vulnerable 2020 Republican. Mm-hmm. If your senator is Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, or Mitt Romney, Joni Ernst. Joni Ernst. If your senator, you'll know you know if your senator is one of those senators that could be in trouble, and if they are, please, please call them. You can call. Either the Capitol switchboard, Google the number. You're not going to... If I say it right now, you're not going to write it. it no, it, you're like, not going to write it down. Gonna, You would Google it later. So just... Yeah. I'm just... We're going to save the time. Google the number. Call
2: mm-hmm.
1: and tell your senator to vote for witnesses or send him more cake. Yeah. Flood him with cakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't... If it's Ted Cruz, he's not going to accept it, but... <laughs> We gotta do we have to at least try. Because one of the things that did push healthcare over the edge and get us to a place where a skinny repeal was voted down is because people got angry about yeah. it and people were calling.
2: Same so. thing with the, investi- the 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 like the FBI investigation into Kavanaugh, you know, they cornered Jeff Flake in that elevator yeah. and started screaming at him.
1: Yeah. We have to like like it has as defeatist as sometimes I feel, mm-hmm. I remind my I have to remind myself, like, no, it actually has worked mm-hmm. to engage. So mm-hmm. call your senator and we'll know the vote. The vote is tomorrow on whether or not to
2: have... Uh, supposedly,
1: the vote is tomorrow about witnesses. And if they vote witnesses down, they could vote to acquit him that same day.
2: And yeah, and then on Tuesday is the State of the Union and Donald yeah. Trump will be like, I got to... I did nothing yeah. wrong. I'm yeah. acquitted. He'll
1: be so... If he gets to give his State of the Union, quote unquote, acquitted by the Senate, I can't even... I can't even begin to think about I mean what he's gonna unleash upon us in that speech. I
2: mean, it's just, just really frightening to think of, you know, what he feel what what he will be go on to do. Yeah. After he gets away with this. He might whip his
1: dick out. He might. Like, yeah. He, he probably he could. He'd be like, I can do whatever. This is in the
2: national interest, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. Ah. <laughs> ah. He can do anything. Exactly. I mean, it's it's frightening. And especially if he gets reelected. Because then it's like even more terrible. Yeah. Anyways. It's just like, how many
1: green lights is he going to get? Mm-hmm. And then, and how many can we give him before he go, does even more damage to this world than he are, like, mm-hmm. before he really goes. Because it's like. He's still held back a little bit by the fact that he has to run for re-election and the fact that, like, technically we do have these checks and balances. But if the checks and balances officially 100% abdicate their Mm -hmm. role as that and then he gets voted back in again because we have a situation again where less people vote for him, but he gets the 270 he needs, like, we're in real fucking trouble, folks.
2: And it's basically setting this precedent, you know, that as long as you can't get two-thirds majority of the Senate to vote you out you can do whatever the fuck you want
1: ever as long as you know what it really does it says that as long as your party Mm -hmm. is in control of the senate Mm -hmm. you can do whatever
2: you want even they don't even have to be in full control as long as you don't as long as you have let more than two like one third
1: yeah yeah you 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 can do whatever you want you can do whatever you want because no one will ever hold you accountable Let's talk really fast about John Bolton's book, uh, which may or may not be coming out now because the National Security Council, uh, which reviewed... So the National Security Council reviewed the book over a month ago. They were given parts of it. And now this stuff came out from the New York Times that Bolton says that Trump directly withheld the aid from Ukraine Mm -hmm. over the Bidens. So now that comes out and they're acting shocked. They're like, oh my God, we actually didn't read it. It's like, you guys didn't read it? He gave you just the, book the guy that everyone's been
2: talking about for months. That will they want him to testify?
1: Classic Trump administration. Yeah, shit. it's like
2: oh, uh, I thought it was John Button
1: So now they're saying they're like, oh, actually, there's top secret stuff in the book,
2: mm. so it
1: can't be published unless he removes the top secret stuff. And John mm. Bolton is like, there is no top secret yeah. stuff.
2: Because he feels like he would know. Um, plus, they only submitted it to the White House as a courtesy. Bolton does not believe any of the information is sensitive. But all the while, the White House was claiming executive privilege. Trump was waiving it on Twitter. So, John Bolton's the information about John Bolton came out saying that, he, that, Trump, that Trump directly told him that he was waiting to, to release the aid until they announced investigations into the Democrats. So, earlier this week, Trump tweeted... I never told John Bolton that the H Ukraine was tied to investigations to Democrats, including the Bidens. In fact, he never complained about this at the time of his very public termination. If John Bolton said this, it was only to sell a book. And so by addressing this claim by or this story in the New York Times, he is waiving his executive privilege because he um, allowed Bolton to do the same.
1: I mean... Whatever. Maybe John Bolton's book will come
2: out. Maybe it won't. I'm not going to buy it.
1: I'm not impressed with John Bolton at all. I want him to testify, but it's yes. like, you, first of all, you could have testified in the House mm-hmm. and it would have saved all of this. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you would agree to testify in the Senate and not agree to
2: do it in the House. You're obvious. I do think he is
1: trying to sell more of his books.
2: Well, here's the thing. I don't think anyone who going to buy his book, like not buy his book would buy his book. You know what yeah. I mean? Like... I'm not be like, "Oh, he testified. So now I'm going to buy his book." I'm not going to buy his fucking book either way.
1: Yeah. It's like I'm, it's
2: not going to work, John.
1: No, I'm not buying John Bolton's People book. People try at all. to
2: inflate their sales just to get to number 1. Pop artists do it. Yeah. And now former ambassadors
1: It's it's too. just so obvious and it's not that I think I think he's telling the truth in his book, but it's like, "Okay, you're not some hero. Like mm-hmm. you should have when that was happening, you should have come forward and been like, the, gu- the president is corrupt and is trying to do this horrible thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't, the fact that you are coming forward about it later so that you can sell a book and that you'll maybe talk to the Senate because the Senate is Republicans and they'll be nicer to you, but didn't talk to the house.
2: Yeah. Like
1: I'm not impressed.
2: That don't impress me much.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into one more thing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Brian, do you know what time it is?
2: <laughs> it's, What time
1: is it? I don't know. (laughs) 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 Cheerio, (laughs) it's (laughs) British (laughs) news! Oh my god, I'm so excited. (laughs) It's been a while since we've done British Mm news. (laughs) Um, guys, at 11pm London time tomorrow the United Kingdom will officially no longer be a member of the EU. It's Brexit Eve!
2: They've been separated for a while, the divorce is is getting finalized. finalized. It
1: is, it's! She's packing up that last box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's mo- leaving the keys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's done.
2: She's walking in the background, out of focus, out yeah. the door, while the EU stares out the window.
1: Yeah, hitting up, hitting up other countries, being like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I can like trade with anybody now." <laughs> kind of. So I don't know. So <laughs> it's official. It's happening tomorrow. Um, this comes after almost four years since the 2016 referendum to leave the EQ to to leave the EU back then the UK voted 52 48 to Mm -hmm. leave and since then the leave campaign has been revealed to have misrepresented a lot a lot of facts Mm -hmm. uh there's actually that whole Benedict Cumberbatch movie about it the Mm -hmm. guy about the guy who's kind of the mastermind behind for it. Angel Nigel really?
2: Farage? Yes, right? Is that him? I
1: think that's him.
2: I don't know. He kind of looks like him, so that's why I said him.
1: Uh, they, leave.eu worked with Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. And the Leave EU people were fined for improperly sending marketing messages and stuff like that. So that's how we got into this whole situation obviously remember that Theresa may ended up having to resign after failing to draw support for her brexit plan then boris johnson took took over he ended up having that election not so long ago where the conservatives won basically winning enough seats for him to finally push through his brexit plan Mm -hmm. so what does this mean what's gonna happen now uh after after this 11 p.m. period the clock will start on an 11 month transition period where the uk and eu still get to figure out like what's happening with their trade relationship and transportation security all of this stuff it's i mean it's like down to little details like they have to figure out who can fish in uh-huh. what waters and then they also have to figure out like data security cyber cyber stuff yeah. <laughs> Then they have until December 31st of next year to do that. If they don't get there, then there will be a no deal Brexit, and that is what everyone would like to avoid. So during this transition period, some things that'll change are the UK has now updated the cover of its newest passports. They are they used to be blue. Uh-huh. They turned burgundy under EU. They're back to blue, baby. Back to blue. Back to blue. Ours are blue.
2: Aren't yeah, they like are. a dark blue Yeah uh, They just want to be like us
1: They have also issued A special Brexit coin
2: Oh <laughs>
1: That says Peace, prosperity And friendship With all nations Which is
2: <laughs> Hilarious the pic, I know it's the like pic, A
1: passive aggressive note the, Of a coin
2: If you say it You know it's true It's funny Amanda included a picture Of a man holding it And b- before I thought it was like There's like this iconic image From Lord of the Rings <laughs> of him holding holding the ring ring yeah and i was like is that what this is it looks it really looks very similar to that
1: it's a very weird coin i'll also say that it i I, it doesn't even really read as a coin to me it's all text there's no image
2: and it's like hexagonal yeah it is not a perfect circle
1: i will say that as far as commemorative coins go i think our kim Mm jong-un summit coin is way better than the brexit coin yeah it's gold yeah. And it had like pic like you know, you have to have an image on yeah, the coin. It can't know- just be all text on the coin.
2: Yeah, I want to know who this is about.
1: Right? They should put Boris Johnson on it.
2: Mm-hmm. Should, yeah.
1: <laughs> it should be a picture of Boris Johnson and then a picture on the other side of Benedict Cumberbatch as potentially Nigel Farage. <laughs> 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 and then they can do who
2: might be. the
1: text on the outside.
2: Oh. Uh, that would yeah. be my
1: edit to the coin. Um, um another thing that'll change is that Germany will no longer extradite citizens accused of crimes to the UK. So Germany has a thing where they won't extradite anybody unless they're a EU person. So if mm-hmm. you're a criminal within the EU and you go to Germany, Germany will extradite you. But now if you commit a crime in the UK and you go to Germany, Germany will not extradite you. Well, now
2: you. I know to go where to go after exactly. I commit my crimes in the, the UK.
1: Yeah, really. Any You could commit a crime here and go there, I suppose. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, I
1: think that they, if they knew you had committed a crime, they would probably try to stop you from
2: going. getting there. Yeah.
1: But if you slip by, they're not going to extradite you. Okay.
2: Um,
1: there will be no more. They don't get to attend any more EU summits. They have to like ask to attend.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like how Scott Disick had to be asked to come to Back to the Kardashian exactly. Family vacations. Exactly. They, they're separated, but he can still sometimes come.
1: Yeah, he can make his. He can be like actually this. Vacation is pertinent to me because mm-hmm. the kids are going and mm-hmm. like I, we're going to Disneyland and I want to also be there. And they'll be like, OK, yeah, you can come to this meeting. Uh, they can also start. The UK can now start negotiating with other countries on its own and negotiating trade deals on its own. So we'll see what they do there. What stays the same is uh, at least during this transition period, the free movement of EU and British citizens in and out of the United Kingdom is is okay that that isn't affected at this moment and there are no changes to cell phone mobile roaming charges which is probably nice for everyone yeah like cool. uh, your pet can also keep their passport oh good so to you know. don't have to change your pet's passport pets are still international citizens Yes. Yeah. pets mm-hmm. need to be able to come and go as mm-hmm. they please
2: i my my dog has an international chip so she can go anywhere oh she can travel the world
1: Oh well that makes sense because you mm-hmm. guys go to spain
2: i would love to are bring we bringing to spain. betty to spain I mean, I would love to. That's the plan, <laughs> but you know, she's got to be able to make it through the night without peeing.
1: That's that's probably true.
2: So she's only seven months old.
1: Yeah that 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 is a good uh, mm-hmm. that's a good thing to think about. Uh, And then UK nationals with state provided medical insurance can still access free care abroad, which is a huge deal. There's a deal protecting the rights of the three million EU citizens that live in the UK. And then also that three million includes British citizens living, British citizens living in the EU that allows them to stay where they are and continue to have their pensions and healthcare access and stuff. I don't know if that's a permanent agreement or if that's something that could potentially go away after this 11 month period, I either imagine. way
2: they have better healthcare than us.
1: Yeah. Either way, their healthcare sounds really. It's every time I talk about it, they're like, they're like, this is the EU insurance card and you still get to keep it. And I'm like, I want one. Yeah, I can, please, please, please. Can I have, can I have some health insurance? Please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that.
1: Yeah. That is actually how it sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Britain so Britain has to basically pay the divorce the uh, divorce bill EU gets everything in the divorce mm-hmm. uh, so it has to it might have to pay up to 33 billion, b- 33 billion pounds which is like 43 billion dollars
2: which is like basically what uh Bezos wife got yeah Look the, at that. Wow
1: the EU is getting about as much as jeff bezos's (laughs) wife (laughs) in the divorce that really puts uh yeah wealth the wealth disparity on this planet
2: into perspective um do you know the the reality show love island
1: yes i haven't i'm i haven't watched a ton of love island but i'm aware of what's going on with love Island. there's a
2: clip of them discussing brexit (gasps) that i really want to play real Uh, quick before we sign off okay
1: amazing i want to hear it what do you think about brexit What's, what's that? Like? Were we're leaving the European Union.
3: I don't... I, I seriously
2: don't have a... So, cable. like, if you... So, it's to, it was to leave the EU, so we wouldn't um, be part of the Europe. EU, Which yeah, would yeah. mean, like,
3: yeah. welfare, and, like, things we trade with would be cut down. So does that mean we won't have any trees? No.
1: Cheese? No.
3: Trees? Oh.
5: No, yeah. that's, that's got nothing
3: to do
1: with
5: it, babe. <laughs> what if
3: we
1: have trees? Uh, what are you talking about? No, we're the... just we're just not in the European Union. Oh, we're still classed oh. as like being in Europe. Doesn't it mean it would be harder to like go to like
0: Spain and stuff? So it would be harder oh. to go on holidays? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I love my holidays. Yeah.
2: yeah. <gasps> I love that. I... Wow. (laughs) So we're going to have cheese then. We're not going to have no more cheese. We're not going to have cheese then. And then she's like, so they're going to cut them all down. She's like, trees? No, cheese. Not trees.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen, if we can get the cast of Love Island maybe mobilized politically, who knows what kind of change
2: they can bring, man. But it's good to know that they're not for Brexit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like they were... They, they weren't pro. No,
2: they... they Do you love your yeah.
1: holidays? Yeah. <gasps> I love my holidays. I want to
2: go to Spain.
1: Spain. Oh, I want to go to Spain and see Betty. <laughs> I want to see Brian's Betty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I have to stop. This uh, is the end of the episode. Yeah,
2: guys, make sure you stick around. Uh, there's an interview with Marty G. Cummings, who is a drag artist, drag activist, and who's also running for New York City Council. Mm-hmm. They would be the first non-binary person to sit on that council, which is just pretty amazing. I love that. We love to hear that. Um, Yeah, so it's really interesting we talk about wh- how, why local politics is really important and you know how it's really important to have queer representation because you know if you're not at the table you're on the menu as they say mm-hmm. so yeah that was it was really fun so make sure you listen to that
1: yep so stick around to hear brian's interview with marty g cummings and don't forget to rate review this podcast and subscribe to the Betches sub newsletter mm-hmm. at betches.co slash sub sign up
2: Alright, welcome back. You're here with me, Brian. Um, and today I'm joined by drag activist and candidate for New York City Council, Marty G. Cummings.
5: Yeah, boom, boom, <laughs> Hi. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming in. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, it's really, I'm really excited. So, I'm trying to think of where I first saw you. I think it must have been just on Instagram. And I thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. <laughs>
5: um, we love the gram. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: and so, obviously, you're a drag queen. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, and... I'm not dressed up today. I've, oh, been, no, I've been in meetings all morning. Oh, so. that's totally fine. And it's also a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I could never. So, I feel like becoming a drag queen is in itself political in a sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And some sort of act of rebellion. And I feel like you've spoken about um, how drag and activism go hand in hand. Can you explain to me wh- how that is? That sure. Is?
5: I mean, drag, like uh, like you said, drag is a form of political activism and political resistance in itself. The art of drag in any form, whether it's... I mean, there's so many different versions of drag today, and I think every single one of them is kind of like a way to tackle the patriarchy, you know? Whether you're a drag queen or a drag king or a drag mm-hmm. artist, whatever your drag is, it's, it's, it's directly... Um, contradictory to the system that's kind of been put in place for generations, right? Uh, and drag has always, always been political. You know, I'm not the first drag queen to run for office. Uh, Jose Soria in 1961 in San Francisco was the first drag queen to run for office for the Board of Supervisors in that position. Um, you know, Harvey Milk would later become a board, of, one of the members of the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco. Uh, But Jose Seria did great work, you know, as a political activist and a candidate. Um, uh, They went on to... Start the Imperial Court system, um, which has raised, you know, millions of dollars for LGBTQIA plus organizations around the world. And, uh, you know, there's maybe a girl who just won a spot in the Silver Lake Council Mm -hmm. in uh, Los Angeles County. And uh, I've been in politics for many years. And and Honey Mahogany in San Francisco, who people might know from Drag Race, but she's very politically active. You know, drag has always been political. And I think it's important to remember um, remember that, you know, at Mm -hmm. the root of drag. We're not just telling, you know poop jokes on stage <laughs> or, or reading people there's like work behind it yeah
2: totally um and you you spoke about how it's about sort of taking on the patriarchy oh yeah um <laughs> and i i was recently thinking about this how every minority has basically the same oppressor uh it's all all like, straight white men yeah, yeah <laughs> they're, they're a wild group of people uh so anything you can do just to piss them off is is great yeah
5: i think you know obviously like I don't know Like my dad's an old white guy Who's Mm -hmm. straight And he's pretty cool Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know It's more about the system That's Mm -hmm. in place Right And the people Who use that system To their advantage To oppress other people And you have to look at The founding of our country I just said this In an interview last week You know We always say Well the founding fathers Would have said Well the founding fathers Are also slave owners Who made the constitution So only white uh, Male landowners Mm -hmm. Could vote You Mm -hmm. know So how great were they mm-hmm. uh, we we have and that's the kind of the system that our, our country was founded on the basis of oppressing other people it was mm-hmm. you know we took land away from indigenous people and then enslaved people by causing genocide in Africa and then mm-hmm. stealing people and bringing mm-hmm. them here so that's like what our country is founded on so that system is still very much in play mm-hmm. and it's there's many marginalized groups that are being affected, whether it's indigenous people or black people or immigrants or women or LGBTQIA plus people or, you know, whatever. We now have to uh, work together to to topple the system and really fight for equality for all people, because in the Constitution it, and the Declaration of Independence, it says that all um, men are created equal. So we have to really live by that now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think a lot of oppressed people have the same oppressor and mm-hmm. it's, it's time to. And then within that, we're oppressing, take queer people, for example, we're like oppressing people within our own marginalized group. You know, there's certain groups who are just saying LGB and leaving off the Mm -hmm. T. Well, trans people are part of this and we have to fight for their rights, uh, as well, you know? So, um, yeah. And I think, I think drag queens have a microphone and,
2: and, and we should use it Mm -hmm. to help all people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So will you just tell me a little bit about how when you first came to New York and then uh, started to do drag and then when you became political, like how, what was that journey like? Like how does one become the next thing? Oh
5: God. Uh, (laughs) It's all kind of like, it just like happened, I guess, you know, like I moved to New York when I was 17. I wanted to be a Broadway star and then that, you know, didn't happen. Uh, You know, you kind of have to have, I'm not like the. Best dancers, you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I dream big. Um and you know, but I, I knew that I still wanted to be a performer and I just kinda accidentally fell into drag through this. I was in an off Broadway production where I gender bended and, and whatnot and, and and I kinda fell in love with it and started seeing drag shows and, and this was like before like drag really became mainstream and there wasn't like youtube makeup tutorials to rely mm-hmm. on like there are now and, and i was so booger but <laughs> we did it and then you know through that i learned about activism over mm-hmm. the years and, and 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 getting involved in different organizations um, like the ellie forney center for homeless lgbtq youth which i'm now on the board of uh mm-hmm. so it just kind of like uh one led to the other to the other you know um
2: kind of organically i guess Yeah. I hate when people are like, oh, it's organic. (laughs) That's what it was. It just happened. So what's the like, what is, are some of the responses you've gotten, both positive and negative as, uh, you know, I feel like some people might find it unusual or they're not maybe, you know, uh, used to someone who's a, a candidate for, you know, any sort of office yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, <laughs> well, because like, I guess I'm trying to think, I'm wondering is where people like is, is uh, Marty going to show up to the kind of, like the, the meetings? Oh, yeah, I, guess, and...
5: I get that question a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of time I'm on my community board uptown, community board nine, and and I also, you know, used to be president of a political club, and often I would go. Uh, to these meetings, and I go to my community board meetings in drag a lot because the community board meetings or political meetings are normally at like 6 p.m. And then I have an 11 o'clock show, so I won't have time between mm-hmm. and the meetings go on for a long time. So if you have a 6 p.m. show or you have a 6 p.m. meeting and it gets done at like 9 o'clock and there's an 11 o'clock show, you don't really have time to get into drag. So I just go in drag. And mm-hmm. I think when you explain to people if they question it, uh, if they happen to question it, then it's you know New York is an expensive city and I'm like any other New Yorker you know my rent is really fucking high can I curse in mm-hmm. this sorry yeah my rent is really high the subway is like overpriced versus something mm-hmm. that doesn't work I don't have health care uh, you know so I have to work and my work uniform just looks a little different than. Um, other people's, mm-hmm. and if they have a problem with it, like you know, look beyond the eyelashes and the wig and, and see that there's a human being who gives a shit about their community and is going to use that platform that that lash and wig gives them to fight for the community. And I think once people recognize that, they're like, oh, okay, cool. So what are you going to do to help, like, the pothole on my street or whatever? You know, <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just a work uniform, you know. And and I don't think I'm going to like when I'm elected go to city hall and drag every day, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to stop. Yeah. joined Drag. So why um, New York City Council? I think why you, uh, yeah. I think politics begins at the local level. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, we're living in this time right now. I mean, like today, the day that we're recording this is the second day of the impeachment um, hearings in the Senate. And, and you look at what's happening on the top. And I think ways to combat that are not just taking back. The White House or the Senate, and holding on to the House, but it's what are we doing on the local level? What, what, what people are we electing to state um, legislative bodies, and what people are we electing to townships and municipalities and cities? You know, New York City has fifty-two city council members. That's mm-hmm. a huge governing body. We represent nine million people, which is more than most states, yeah. right? And my district has almost one hundred seventy thousand people living in it. That's the size of like a congressional district. Yeah. it's huge. Mm-hmm. So I think New York City Council. Um, has a lot of influence not just on the city but what's happening in albany and what happens in albany then affects you know how a lot of other states go so i wanted to start at at that level and uh make positive change for the people of 96th street to 165th street which will then in turn make positive change for the other you know uh districts um and citywide because I'm not just representing District Seven, I'll be representing mm-hmm. all of New York. Mm-hmm. You know, even though District 7's what votes for me, but I think from there we can grow and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But um, I think uh, politics begins at the local level, and I think people really need to get plugged into local politics. What's affecting your day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. What issues are happening in your community that need fixed? You know, I just had a friend uh, message me this morning. His Instagram story. He's in a wheelchair and he has a service dog, and you most. Uh, I think it's only like 25% of subway stations have elevators. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, uh, that number might even be lower, but the majority of our subway stations don't have elevators. Mm-hmm. So if they're even working. If they're even working, yeah. right? So this this friend of mine uh, is in a wheelchair with his service dog who's going to take a bus because uh, that's how he gets to work. He has to take the bus because he can't take the subway because the subway isn't accessible to him, which mm-hmm. is bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, the bus driver said, oh, you can't ride the bus with your dog well it's a service dog well i don't care you can't ride the bus so then he had to get an uber you know he's lucky enough that he has a job he can pay for that a cab or an uber but a lot of people don't have that luxury so these are like local things what can we do to fix these these problems and make new york uh, a new york for everyone Mm -hmm. not just wealthy people you know there's there's you know one in ten uh high school uh public school high schoolers in new york right now one in ten is experiencing homelessness at this very moment Mm. Um, and while 1 in 10 high schools are experiencing homelessness, we have thousands of vacant apartments across the city that are bought up by millionaires and companies that are just left vacant. Yeah, I think I just saw uh, that
2: there's like three empty apartments for every homeless person.
5: Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I think it was Finland just ended their homeless problem by providing housing and rehabilitation and education programs for all their homeless, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a different structure. You know, our city population is probably around the size of the whole country there. But, you know, we're living in what's supposed to be the greatest city in the greatest country. So there should there should be no reason for people to be on the street. We have the capability. We have the budget. We have the resources. Why are we not housing our homeless um, population, getting them medical treatment, education programs, job training and placement programs, and helping to give a better life? And I, I feel the same way about our jail system. You know, the city council just passed – a law to close Rikers in um, 2026, which I think is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in closing it, part of the deal is they're going to spend $9 billion on four new jails in four different boroughs. Satin island's the only borough that won't be getting a jail so now we're spending nine billion dollars on incarcerating people who probably shouldn't be incarcerated why not you know I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict and I think you're not going have or you're not going to jail somebody because they have cancer or diabetes why are you mm-hmm. going to jail somebody for a drug addiction for having drugs on them why don't you uh, put them in a rehabilitation program which would cost less it costs over three hundred thousand dollars a year to uh, hold somebody in jail yeah. you know why not put them in like a 36-year, 90-day rehabilitation program, get them job training uh, or uh, our education classes so they can better their life, get the help they need, and and, and become the fully realized, beautiful human being they're mm-hmm. supposed to be instead of throwing their life away by putting them in jail for 20 years. Yeah. Um. So I think that was a real shame. The city council did a good thing by closing Rikers, but then to do a good thing, they had to do a bad thing. And I think that's... Fucked. And so hopefully, you know, this new city council in 2021 can override some of that, keep, mm-hmm. get Rikers to close and put that nine billion dollars to money that that's more productive.
2: Yeah. I mean, and also you want people to become I feel like the conservative argument is like, why should we pay for this sort of thing? You're a but, human
5: being. And yes, uh, is it?
2: Uh, well, there's also the argument to be had that it would be more economically beneficial to have these people rehabilitated and then yeah. getting back to, Why, you, know. you know,
5: put them back in society in a positive way where they can have jobs and have mm-hmm. opportunities and, 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 and then be able to give back the way they were given back to, you know, like it, it, it like I said, it costs $300,000 per inmate. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's
4: crazy.
5: Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that money could be used on so much. Just better, mm-hmm. more productive things like maybe, I don't know, putting elevators in the subway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's there's just a lot of of kind of fucked stuff. And I think people say, oh, it can't change. Well, the way it's going to change is there's 38 open seats out of the 52 coming up in 2021. If we elect 38 truly progressive people. Mm-hmm. We can change it.
2: Yeah. You know. Um, So why do you think it's important to have queer representation in politics?
5: Oh, yeah. I think queer representation is super important because what is that famous saying? I can't remember who said it, but, um, uh, you know, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, I think LGBTQIA plus representation is super important. Just the same way I feel like we need more women in office. We need more black people in office, people of color, immigrants, you know. The The city of New York is so diverse that our governing body should represent that the same way that our country is so diverse that our governing bodies should represent that. And mm-hmm. so I always use this statistic because I think it's super important. We have in the United States of America from the smallest level of government, from like the smallest township to the White House, there are half a million people hold elected office in this country on in one form or another, you know, somebody checked their name off at the ballot, mm-hmm. and out of those a half a million people, under seven hundred of them are LGBTQIA plus, and then out of that, I think it's like seventeen or eighteen identify as trans, and only eight or nine of them identify as non-binary. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at a very small group, you know, under seven hundred <laughs> queer people hold office in this that country. we know of. That we know of, yeah. That, sure that, a lot that to are, yeah. yeah. That we know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Ah, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's very true <laughs> so yeah so it's like you know how how are laws going to be made, made for us if our voices aren't being heard mm-hmm. and sure it's important to have our straight allies stand up for us and it's important for for you know um yeah it's important for our allies to be there as well but but we need our voices uh to be at that table yeah.
2: and, and I just think it's hugely it's critical yeah it's hugely um, important so you're also appointed as an advisor to the mayor's nightlife advisory council. Oh yeah.
5: The New York city nightlife advisory council.
2: What uh, does that entail?
5: Well, my term is now done. Uh, okay. She's termed out it's 2 your term. <laughs> uh, so what that was, was the, uh, the Raphael Espinal, who's a city council member from Brooklyn, kind of put this together and got city council to pass it where there'd be a new, um, so there'd be a new office of nightlife. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and Ariel Pallets was appointed kind of like the uh, mayor of nightlife, you could call her. And then uh, so they have a whole office that kind of works to regulate nightlife. I don't think regulate's the right word, but um, just kind of oversee how things are going in nightlife. And then mm-hmm. city council made a 14-member um, board uh, where the mayor appointed like half of it, and the speaker of the council, Corey Johnson, appointed half of it. So I was appointed by Corey Johnson, and and, and we just – uh, we've been putting together our proposal. So I'm still sitting on the board until the, pro- the my term is technically done, but I'm still yeah. going until our proposal is like put through. So we have proposals where uh, we say things that we think could improve nightlife mm-hmm. uh, in terms of safety, economically. Um, and that's not just like bars and nightclubs. It's nightlife. You know who works in nightlife? You have taxi drivers, bodega workers, MTA workers, um street cleaners there's a whole slew of people who work in nightlife so Mm -hmm. how can we make this like a safe um economically thriving uh part of our city because so much of our city takes place at night you know um and and is this
2: the city that never sleeps
5: yeah that's what i hear (laughs) that's what i hear uh the older i get i'm like god i just want to fucking nap but um, (laughs) But, yeah, so so it's really cool, and I think it's nice to have, like, a voice like mine who works in in nightlife, in mm-hmm. drag, on the panel, because a lot of people are, I don't know, sometimes they sit, I don't know, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I sit in these meetings, I'm like, oh, my God, have you even, like, gone out? When was the last time <laughs> you were out past 9 o'clock? Like, ugh. So I think it's important, like, a no shade, like, people, like, some people go to bed I would, early.
2: I would love to go to bed at 9 yeah, o'clock every day. Yeah, me too, girl. Yeah.
5: But, like... But that's not my job. So, but I just think you need to have those. It's the same way when I say we need queer representation at Mm -hmm. the table. If you're going to have a nightlife council, you need to have people who work in nightlife Mm -hmm. on the council to really get it taken care of properly. Yeah. You know, because you can have somebody who's like, I don't know. uh, (laughs) Let's say I butted some heads. But, uh,
2: (laughs) well, you're termed out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so fuck it uh,
5: But I had fun I think I I, I put through uh, My proposals I was really, really, really proud of mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about them Until they're released but Oh, that's fine, that's I was, great Yeah, I was, really, I was really proud of it I will say that some people on it Really, really wanted like more police presence And mm-hmm. I uh, am Was not for that mm-hmm. You know Because uh, it
2: makes a lot of people uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm.
5: uh, obviously like we need police, yes. right? Yeah, I'm not anti-police. We mm-hmm. need, we need police. Mm-hmm. But I think when you are over-policing, it's intimidating to marginalized groups like mm-hmm. queer people or people of color or mm-hmm. immigrant communities. And if you start, it's the same thing that's happening on the subway right now. There's 500 new police that are like basically there to enforce like racism. Yeah. Uh. So I, I, I was like, no, 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 no. And you can we also tell by
2: which. Stations are positioned at. Yeah. yeah.
5: Uh, I think I think we need to stop policing brown and black communities. And we need to stop policing poverty. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Marty, thank you so much for coming in and being thank on our you. podcast. Thanks for having me. This is such a comforting room. Mm-hmm. It's like so... It is very
5: warm. It's very cute. Pink is my favorite color. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of pink here. We love.
2: I, that's kind of a salmon. Yeah. Oh, we um, love, we and, love salmon. And then have you seen our meme wall? Oh,
5: yeah. <laughs> Nene. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, my God. That's funny.
2: Yeah. So, oh, h- how can our listeners find you on social media, out and about, or, and how can they uh, help your campaign? <laughs> um, so, you can find me
5: on Twitter and Instagram at Marty G. Cummings, M A R T I G C U M M I N G S. And my campaign website is MartyFormanHatton.com.
2: Mm hmm. Donate.
5: Do- oh, please donate. Yeah. And sign up to volunteer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 we're doing a really cool thing with our campaign where a lot of political fundraisers, it cost hundreds of dollars to attend. Of course, we need to raise money and we want to raise money because that's how our political system works. But all of our fundraisers are free and open to the public. So if you can't afford to attend, but you want to be a part of the the our movement and our campaign, you are always welcome to attend any event of ours. And you don't have to pay a dime. If you're able to give a dollar, we're grateful. If you're able to give $1,000, we're grateful. Mm -hmm. But um, we are more inclined um, to want to hear your uh, voice. So if you're not able to give, please sign up to volunteer
2: and and join our team because we would love to have you. Great, great. Um, Okay, so until the end of democracy, I'm Brian (laughs) Russell-Smith. And this has been the Betches Up podcast.
0: Betches.